virtual hardwood. It's the MLSE podcast. This is episode number 442. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, and Andrew MLSE on Twitter. I'm joined as always by Derek. He is DP3 in our forum and DP384 on Twitter. Derek, good to be talking to you as always. What's new this week? Oh, nice to be talking to you again. Andrew, I had two really great retro pickups this past week. A little jealous, actually. Yeah, but you're going to be a winner at the end of this, too. True. So um, I ended up getting Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs, the 1989 DOS version. Full, complete in-box, in good condition, no discoloring on the box. It has the manual in it. Manual is in pristine condition. Floppy disk is in great condition, etc. Got all of that for 20 bucks, And... I was floored that I got it for that price. So was uh, at B-Ball Video Games because he was watching, you know, to see if I won and whatnot. He announced to me that I won my bid before I even knew it. <laughs> like this, He was like monitoring it because he was so excited that I might be able to get it for that price. But yeah, I put a bid for $20 out there for this and uh, nobody outbid me. And I ended up getting that and, I love having that in the collection. And the reason why you win is because now my now I have two floppy disks for Lakers versus Celtics. And um, I'm going to be sending you one. And so now you'll have that game in your collection. Absolutely. And I definitely appreciate that because uh, that's uh, a holy grail for me, as I've said in, in previous shows. But, uh, you know, shout out to uh, B-Ball Video Games. Uh, better than eBay notifications. No, I mean, he's hardcore. Yeah. Hey, this guy, um, not only have I connected with him on many different basketball games using Parsec, always fun whether we're playing co-op, against each other, with mods, without mods, etc. Um, he's good at the games, and he's just he's just a hardcore basketball gamer, like you can tell. And, uh, you know, he posts his collections on social media, so like on Twitter and whatnot, and he just has such a huge basketball gaming collection and it's just really cool to know him right like it's really nice to know somebody else who's really into this stuff kind of like we are but um yeah i mean he's when he sees good deals and and all of that stuff he'll he'll let me know and if i see some good deals or have good experiences with different adapters or hookups or whatnot or applications you know i'll let him know and i think that's really cool about the community right now and you know sharing and Hey, sharing is caring and whatnot. And uh, we, we got a good, good group of people in the NLSC community. Uh, I also made, had another pickup as well, and I just shared that tonight. So I had already had NBA in the zone for PlayStation, but I only had the disc. And you know how I am about the long boxes. Of course. Like, I love the long boxes. I love how they look. Um, I love the, the art. I love... Um, it's just it's just a different experience getting one of the long boxes. So I found the and and NBA in the zone for PlayStation complete in box long box in pristine condition. It, it just it's an amazing condition. Has the manual. The disc has no scratches on it, etc. So now I have two NBA in the zone games. But yeah, I finally got that long box and it was only four dollars and ninety seven cents. What a steal. These are some tremendous D's deals. And uh, also further proof that 
no, you don't have to spend a lot of money. And because people have been asking about that, we have been giving this advice in recent weeks because, yeah, you look around on eBay, you look at Amazon, certainly, but you can get a lot of things. And, and of course, local stores, if you have one uh, in your area, or if you have one that does postage, sometimes you can find one that's uh, not too far away that will uh, charge minimal postage and will still have pretty good prices on those games. But eBay also goes to show that certainly buy now prices are important if you can get a great deal there but sometimes check out those auctions and put a put your maximum bid and just leave it there obviously because that's how ebay works you can set your maximum bid and if you don't want to go over that just stop bidding <laughs> don't put any further amounts in but sometimes you can pick up a, a great deal like that if nobody else is uh is looking at, at that auction at that time you can get lucky and you got really lucky with that 20 dollars in box especially considering how much uh, how much that game has gone for for other people well, I received it and I thought like, there's gotta be like a catch here. Right. Yeah. Like, but I thought it was, might be a little bit more discolored than the pictures showed. I thought that, you know, maybe the manual would be ripped up or there may be, you know, a problem with the disc or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just got lucky to be honest with you. Um, how good were manuals I, back in the day? How good were manuals? Yeah. I mean, I showed a screenshot of the manual from the game. And they're so cool because, like, in the manual, it shows, like, the league leaders for that year. They didn't have to put that in there. Yeah. Right? But they show, like, um, like John Stockton led the league in assists. So John Stockton's in there, and it shows his assist numbers and stuff. It shows the scoring leader, the rebounding leader, all of that stuff. It shows the logos across the top of the um, page, et cetera. Like, so cool. Yeah. You go through these different manuals and they were doing a lot of creative things with them, um, you know, between the art that's in the backdrop behind the text, um, the way they were displaying information and the type of information they displayed, etc. Really cool. Like, I love looking at them. And that's why I always aim for, you know, for my collections. I always aim to have the game have the correct artwork on the front. So the front, the, the cover art to be correct and to always have the manual with the game to come with it and then obviously the disc or cartridge or whatnot to be in good shape that's what i consider complete and um luckily uh, you know i'm usually able to find that stuff at a fair price and look it's obviously fallen out of vogue because a lot of things are digital now pc nba 2k on pc is digital only we have no choice there but I do miss getting those manuals. I mean, look, look at people doing unboxing videos on YouTube. People still like physical items. People like opening up a box and seeing cool stuff, right? So we haven't had a manual, even on the on the consoles, where we do have a disc version of NBA 2K and NBA Live in recent years, or up until 2018 anyway. We don't have those those manuals, those those feelies that you used to have. I've talked about getting that complete in box uh, Scotty Pippen, uh, Slime City with Scotty Pippen and having the temporary tattoos and stickers and other things that come in the box. Are they a bit corny? Are they are they are they great in the in the grand scheme of things? Great designs, great artwork. I mean, they're very nineties, and I feel very nostalgic looking at them. It's just cool to open that box and see it. Hell, even looking at the at the promotional material in some of those old boxes is, is very nostalgic. Right, like remember I shared on Twitter the 989 Sports uh, little insert that they had in one of the shootout games. Uh, I believe it was Shootout 2001. And it was this little booklet that shows um, all the different games that, you know, sports games that 989 Sports was releasing that year. And it's really cool to look at that because that's what they were promoting at the time, right? So that's not the manual or anything. That's a promotional piece that they put in there. So I do think that's, 
really cool. But, you know, you talk about, you know, wanting the physical copy and how people still want that and all of that stuff. What is the most exciting thing, Andrew, about Christmas morning? I mean, opening up uh, up the presents, ripping off that paper. Some people say... Take it off carefully. My mum's one of those people, but no, I'm I'm sorry. I'm tearing that uh, I'm tearing that stuff off and uh, ribbon tearing and and paper tearing off and opening it up and and holding that in your hands, holding that box in your hands. It's like when you'd go to the store and buy something and, and you you come home and you're reading it in the car or ride home, right on, on the way home as a kid in the back seat or whatever, ro- reading the back of the box and just imagining you know all the fun you're going to have with this game or opening it on Christmas Day as you said or a birthday present. Um, yeah, there, there is something special about physical media. And I think, uh, and I have talked about this on an article before. It with physical media, a lot for all the people who uh, who criticise and say, "Oh, that's uh, that's so last century or whatever." You look at all these things that are getting taken off streaming services. All these shows or movies that are taken off streaming services, no longer available. And this is where DVDs and Blu-rays come in handy, people. That if it gets taken off the streaming service, you've still got that copy of it. Or, or games to get removed from the Steam store or, or the other digital platforms. Physical media still has its place in uh, 2022. No, 100%. I think that the idea of um, opening a present, whether it was given to you or it's something you bought for yourself, all of that stuff, um, there will always be excitement behind that. When I get my Amazon packages or my eBay packages, um, what do you think happens? How, how, how long do you think that wrapping stay or that container they're in or whatever, how, how, how long do you think that stays on the product? I'd say from the uh, from the trip from the mailbox to the uh, to the apartment, I would say. I, I can promise you that sometimes it doesn't make it to the apartment. There you While go. While I'm walking, I will open. I like that. it. I so, like that excitement. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going somewhere and I'm picking up the mail along the way, I will grab the mail. I will open it sometimes in my car because I'm super excited. It's that Christmas morning feeling. Yeah. Right. Definitely. It doesn't get old. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's fun to get stuff. You know, I remember, you know, before my grandfather passed away we were having uh christmas day over there and it was me my brothers and him and we were you know we were all opening gifts and whatnot do you think that my grandfather who at the time was in his mid 80s do you think that he slowly unwrapped his gifts <laughs> no not at all. no no he ripped into him do you think he cared about preserving the paper no, he was ripping into his gifts because it was still super exciting for him. So we never lose that feeling and whatnot. And I never plan on losing it. So I think um, what's really cool about collecting and being so into this is you can have that feeling quite often. Right. Um, so I've been trying to round out my collection a little bit more lately and and picking up stuff. And I picked up a few games that I was missing from the nba shootout slash nba series the you know 989 sports and san diego studio series and i was able to get all of the nba games that they ever made so i have all of those in my collection and i shared that on twitter what a great feeling that is right oh yeah like i'm missing i'm not missing any of the games they made i can play them whenever i want and it's just awesome and i love looking at all the art they're all complete in box for the original nba shootout it's the long box which i showed also on twitter uh etc and i just love having all of it 
I love seeing you post those new arrivals. Uh, I, I haven't been collecting myself lately, um, I, simply because I've been spending money on other things, bills mostly, <laughs> recently, so I haven't really been searching. Obviously, I have a pretty huge collection as it is already. I need to look and see what other things I can get at a, a reasonable price. Obviously, you're, uh, you're sending me that uh, Lakers versus Celtics, which I, I really appreciate uh, adding that to the collection. Giving my external floppy disk drive a go, see, getting that working with DOSBox, that'll be great. Um, just uh, and playing it on that original uh, original media will, will be a lot of fun. It'll it'll load slowly, but uh, that that'll be part of the experience to uh, <laughs> to do that. I'll also open up that uh, Slam City with Scotty Pippen box and uh, post some photos on Twitter at Andrew NLSC, of course, of uh, of the feelies the and the promotional material in there because again that was so uh, so enjoyable to uh, to look at back in the day. So obviously we'll be talking about uh, NBA Two K Twenty Three news this week and uh, on, on the subject of collecting. Uh, no old stuff this week, Derek. But I did actually pre-order the uh, the Jordan edition of NBA Two K Twenty Three. At the uh, at the end of the day, I couldn't pass that up. So yeah, I did. Uh, I, I pre-ordered the NBA Two K Twenty Three for the PC, and I actually did the Jordan edition uh, as well. And the reason why I did that is because I may get into my team Same. if I like the game, but I, I just have to like the game. Like I need to like the game play and it needs to be enjoyable on the sticks. I didn't enjoy my team at all on 2k 22 PC because I thought the gameplay was honestly piss poor mm. in a lot of different ways, which I've talked about on many different, you know, past prior podcasts and whatnot. Um, but you know, and then the series X version, um, my brother and I were talking about it. We weren't sure if we were going to go 50, 50 on it and possibly do like the league pass version. Um, you know, the $150 version and maybe both of us split it. Um, we still, you know, need to finish up on those conversations and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, I just want to like the game. I want to like the gameplay. I want to have fun with it. I will, if I like the PC version, I'll probably get into modding it, all of that stuff. I'm in the same boat. And I actually thought about the championship edition as well because of league pass, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't because they're actually, looking at apparently they just announced that they're going to be dropping the the uh price of league pass by about 50 percent or up to 60 percent possibly so it might actually be cheaper for some people to especially if you only go for the the uh the team option the home team option where you only uh, follow your your uh, chosen team with that uh, with that package if that's still available it's uh it's much cheaper anyway so yeah I, i'll um I didn't go for the championship edition, the the Jordan cover. I really like that Jordan cover art this year, so that's what I opted for. I did get the Jordan edition pre-ordered on both PC and uh, PlayStation 5. So uh, it does come with that extra 100,000 uh, VC and the extra MT. So again, if I do a bit, little bit with uh, with my career, again, if I do anything with my career this year, it's, it's pretty much going to be just to... Uh, it, if I end up playing with some of the guys, if they jump on again, then I might do a little bit of that. I'm mostly going to be my NBA uh, this year. I would imagine a bit of my team, again, if I like the gameplay, as, uh, as you said, out of the box, because we obviously can't change the sliders in my team, or, or my career for that matter. But it, it's there because I do want to review the game and, and give my impressions on it and, uh, and be able to comment on it from a uh, hands-on ex- hands perspective. So I will be checking out my, t- my, my, my team and my career. Whether I spend as much time in those modes uh, remains to be seen. I would like to spend more time with the uh, 90s era in my NBA, as I've said on a, on a previous show, but I will be checking that out. And, and it does have it does help to have that extra currency and the and the pre-order bonuses for that. And uh, I, I don't buy a lot of games every year, but I do commit to getting the basketball games every year. And I, I did want the Jordan edition because I am a huge Jordan fan. Yeah, I, I want to say too, uh, the league pass, it being cut down, you know, like 50% 
and whatnot. That doesn't surprise me at all um, for two reasons. One, streaming, right? Yep. Illegal streaming and streaming services, um, et cetera. And then also the fact that if we're going to be completely honest, I don't think the NBA as a whole is as popular as it once was. I think that people will watch their local team and they're happy with that and they'll fanboy over their local team and they'll, you know, they'll talk about their local team on social media and everything. And then they'll watch an occasional nationally televised game. And then that's basically it, right? There's, there's not like a ton of these kids and young adults that are going to pay for league pass so they can watch all of these other teams that they don't have the time and patience for. Right. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, league pass probably hasn't done well over the last few years. Um, you know, as far as sales and whatnot, probably hasn't met expectations. And um, I, I would say that those are the reasons why the, the price has gone down. I still think they need to put more historical content on there, quite frankly, an on-demand historical content, not just a, a selection that's randomly chosen, seemingly randomly chosen every month by whatever curators are working on that uh, in, within the NBA media department. Again, I, I refer back to the WWE Network with... Uh, with how much historical content is on there. Even if I'm not watching the current product, my nostalgia for the wrestling I grew up with, I can jump onto the network and go back and watch full episodes of, of Raw and SmackDown from way back in the day and any pay-per-views from back in the day right there on demand. And it's, it's worth it to have it there as a subscription to indulge that nostalgia whenever I feel like it. And it'll be the same with the NBA League Pass. You, you give that at a reasonable price, as the network is, and people will jump on that, and you've got all that on-demand content as well as the the current games to stream, and that's just a huge missed opportunity for the NBA. Yeah, what about a his, NBA History Channel? Absolutely, just that, like just straight up one channel, NBA History, and what it does is it plays reruns all day of old games, classic games, uh, random games, etc. I would I would get that definitely. Um, I think that that's easier for people to sink their teeth into too um, as well because it's only one channel and it has a specific target right and that'd just be basketball history nba history etc so um yeah I, I don't know why they haven't explored that you know if you listen to commentators today the kendrick perkins and the jj reddicks and and all that stuff it's almost like they're trying to erase history because of the way they talk so poorly about it Definitely. so maybe that's why i have no idea wouldn't, um, wouldn't surprise me no yeah but i'm sorry guys you, you can't erase the great teams and players and um you know of the past and you know the glorious things that have happened in in basketball history and whatnot and i'll just put it out there that uh you, by if you want to make the current NBA seem more impressive, don't talk down the the previous NBA. You want you want to talk about why you think the you want to argue why the NBA is greater than the greatest, not that the greatest was actually a low bar to clear. Just putting it out there, yeah. just just food for thought. That is, that's it's telling that they do that, right? Exactly. It's telling that they have to constantly talk about, you know how great everything is now in comparison to the way it was in the past and, and how, you know, how much better they, they think it is and all of that stuff. And even to go as far as to insult past players and teams ignorantly, um, you know, call them plumbers or, um, state that they played no competition, all of this stuff. Um, you know, like, if if you have to continue to do that over and over and over and over again, you're basically telling on yourself that you're full of it. 
if, if, right. if you do have to make that <laughs> argument, if you, have to, if you have to lower the bar, yeah. Right, right. You're, yeah, you're, you're definitely telling on yourself and you're full of it. So absolutely can't stand that stuff. And they're wrong on all levels. Agreed. I don't think there's any reasonable debate that says otherwise. But before we get into the 2K23 news this week, uh, speaking of uh, upgrading to next gen and, and whatnot and the current gen versus next gen and all the, the controversy there, I sent you a tweet that I thought was particularly toxic and, and it really just, just highlights the toxicity of the interactions people have on social media and, and the thinking and, and the tribalism and everything else surrounding uh, video games that's just so unnecessary. And I, I, I had to send you that tweet right away because I had to say, what a dick. And I say that because, well, here's the tweet. Stop being broke and get a next-gen console. We don't have time or money to try and work with your current-gen peoples. And this is in response to somebody commiserating that the current-gen version is missing out on various features in NBA 2K23. And again, I saw that, Derek, and I thought, what a what an entitled uh, attitude to have. And also misses the point on how difficult it is to try and get your hands on these consoles at the moment. Yeah, a lot of uh, context missing in that, right? I mean, there's one thing is is he's calling people broke but these systems are you know even if you're getting the series s and one controller and whatnot it's 300 dollars. you know you're getting ps5 and xbox series x it's a few hundred dollars more right so that's still a lot of money to spend at one time for somebody and to call to look down on them or talk about them and like they're inferior and whatnot because maybe they can't afford one of the new consoles is absolutely ridiculous, especially considering the economy today, right? Oh, yeah. And the issues that you know people are having with money and you know the price of food, the price of living in general, etc. It, it that's absolutely ridiculous, and that's not the first time I've seen a tweet like that or a comment like that on social media. You and I have shared the uh, multiple comments similar. Um, you know, just this year and whatnot. And these threads are absolutely toxic too. There's a lot of people that agree with this guy um, and others who, you know, who make that comment, you know, it's not just that. It's also like we t- you just mentioned, it's the availability of the systems in so many different parts of the world. Um, they haven't been often available. Um, people are having trouble getting their hands on PS fives, especially, but also series X and whatnot. Um, series S has been a little bit more available, but not even close to what we had as far as availability when PS four and Xbox one were the new gen, etc. So people are also battling with that, not being able to get their hands on the consoles. Furthermore, the majority of gamers around the world, I've talked about the statistics before I shared them on Twitter, are still on last gen. They're still on PS4 gen. They're still on it. So, like, basically that comment is calling the majority of gamers, the majority of, you know, gamers in the world broke yeah. and crapping on B- Behind the it. times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's absolutely insulting. It's ridiculous. It's missing context. But unfortunately, that's the attitude a lot of a lot of people who are on, you know, PS5 gen. It's almost like this ridiculous elitist attitude. I'm sorry, but you're not special. Okay? <laughs> exactly. You're not exactly. More special than anybody else just because you have a PS5 or Xbox Series X or S. And and to your point about the availability, it's still very difficult to get hold of in Australia. I was very lucky to get mine in the second wave, not at launch, but at the second wave of the consoles about a month later. And there's actually, despite being 
very difficult to get your hands on in Australia. Sony Australia has actually put that up by $50, the price of the PS5, despite that lack of availability. So that's just ridiculous. That's not going down well, as it shouldn't. Uh, I'm looking at the bio. He's a teenager. He's a competitive player. Says it all. Immature and toxic right there. Uh, but, but yeah, the... I mean, okay, D- did your parents buy that for you? Did you buy that? You took, you're calling other people broke? And, you know, <laughs> did you buy that with your own money, kid? I'm just saying. But it, it, just, it was missing the point, and we see this so often of, of, uh, of people bringing up these ad hominems to dismiss legitimate concerns and criticism. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous, absolutely toxic. We'll always push back on it because it is such a reductive uh, way of thinking, such an immature, toxic way of thinking. Uh, to uh, to make that argument and and yeah I, I'd send that to you because I I mean it's my fault Derek I'm looking at replies on Twitter right so I'm, I'm kind of to blame here but as soon as I saw that I said no uh, Derek's gonna have to share my burden my outrage burden of this but but yeah that I just yeah just ridiculous well people need to be people need to be treated better yes. you know be a, be a human being you know, support your, you know, support your fellow, fellow human being, you know, be understanding, you know, add context, you know, should, you know, be, you know, be able to, you know, I've said it so many times, you know, be able to see the big picture. Exactly. It's such, like, and unfortunately, a lot of these kids, uh, they don't. And, um, you know, I was young once, too, and whatnot. And, you know, I've said and done some stupid things, to be completely honest with you. Um I don't remember ever doing stuff like that because that's just not part of my personality. I don't remember, you know, being insulting like that, you know, the way that he was. Um, But yeah, I mean, we just got to be better human beings. I mean, if a lot of people, again, a lot of people would upgrade if they could, they've got the money there, but the consoles aren't, what are you going to do? That's nothing to do with being broke. That's, that's the, uh, that's um, supply, not meeting demand. Exactly. I mean, there's just a lot of different factors that come into play here. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, me-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC we also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball, and on YouTube, where youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. But with that being said, we are in the, the final countdown to the release of NBA 2K23. Comes out next week. Uh, there's been a, a rush of news over the past few days that's going to continue up until release, and it's uh, it's finally resembling a preview season, Derek. W- way too late. This is always the case, but I-, I wish we got this spread out over the months after the game was initially announced. This should really be starting in June. Yeah, I love the the Live King absolutely hates this, and I love it. He's like, you know, you know, why haven't we seen actual gameplay yet? And um, he's like, I'm playing NHL. The, the new NHL game from EA Sports um, right now, like he was playing it like right now, the beta version of it or whatever, the demo or whatever it was. And he was like, and we, I'm playing this and we can't even get gameplay <laughs> to be shown on mm-hmm. NBA 2K23 until just like a day or so or a day before like the release or whatever. <laughs> like, um, you know, kudos to him for, you know, continuing to call that out and, and being frustrated by it as he should be and whatnot. But, yeah, what, just they're just trying. They get as many pre-orders as they possibly can, 
And, uh, you know, before they show like actual gameplay or people get their hands on the game and, you know, it works. It's a strategy that has worked and they hit over 10 million in sales every year. Um, and obviously they're the only, you know, company making a basketball uh, the game in town. Yeah. Game. yeah. So they're gonna, yeah, exactly. They're going to get the sales, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's unbelievable what they get away with. And it's kind of tough to talk about the news because it is coming through every day. By the time you're listening to this, there may be some gameplay footage. There's supposed to be some gameplay footage coming September 5th and 6th for the Jordan Challenge and other gameplay content. We will see what they uh, what they go into, what they show. There's obviously been the gameplay blog. But th- some of this news is, is more exciting than others. I mean, there was an announcement of the brands that are going to be available to buy in 2K23. Uh, I didn't put a main page post about this. I didn't post about this in the forum or on the uh, main page of the NLSC, mb-live.com, of course. Uh, I- I've been reporting on most of the news as it comes in as soon as I can, depending on whether I'm awake at the time when it comes through. But I didn't talk about that because it- it's not very exciting. All I've done is show a bunch of logos. There's not even a blog talking about the actual brands are giving any insight into it. So I, I did actually skip that uh, that particular post. That is something else they have mentioned, though. Uh, look, one of the first things that they announced was the uh, the guest announcers for 2K23, which include the czar, Mike Fratello. He's announcing in the Jordan Challenge and the past eras in my NBA that had already been revealed by previous blogs. Uh, Richard Jefferson is going to be joining the booth in the, the modern era, uh, part of the rotating booth there. And, and Ray Clay is going to reprise his role as the uh, Chicago Bulls PA announcer in Jordan Challenge Games. Which is uh, which is really cool. I, I am glad that they've done that. Yeah, Richard Jefferson redeemed himself at least for a mo- moment with me, uh, but when he stated that Vince Carter was the most skilled player that he ever played with by far, I, I had to give him credit for that. Mm. Um, but he has said a lot of stuff that bother me oh, yeah. in the media ever since he's retired and everything. You and I have talked about it off air and whatnot. I, I hope that he's strong on the mic. I hope that um, he brings some, you know, good insight and whatnot, and um, that he's a good personality um, in the game. So fingers crossed for that. Yeah, we already know Mike Fratello is going to be great. Oh yeah, it's it's the czar. I mean, he's just awesome, and he was awesome in the old NBA Live games, and and whatnot. So that's a home run right there. Um, that's a great addition uh, to you know the Jordan Challenge and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, there's not too much to talk about news wise. Um, obviously a new cover non-athlete. I'm just kidding. Well, am I? Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I need to see gameplay and I need to get my hands on the sticks to really form an opinion. You know, a lot of people were very excited about that J. Cole cover and, and it's, I mean, it's a nice looking cover, but you and I, we looked at that and thought, I think we both have the same thought that this is where basketball gaming is, is that it's, it's drifted so far away that from, from us being the core demographic or, or that key demographic that people are excited about a non-basketball player being on the cover of NBA 2K and there being a dream edition. People saying, oh, I wish I, wish I could have uh, pre-ordered this earlier. It's going to be a GameStop exclusive in the US and Canada, so it's, it's pretty limited anyway. If you're like me, you're not going to be able to buy it even if you wanted to. The, the point that you made when we were talking about it, and it's, uh, I think it's the uh, defining point of this and, and, and one of the reasons that we are not against it so much well i speak myself i suppose that why i don't if, if they want to do this as, as a gimmick fine it is ultimately at the end of the day it is a cover that if you are a collector you may want to get but it shows that they're focusing on this over as you said to me when we we're talking about it paying legends like barkley and miller and everyone to be in the game Th- this is what they're investing in and that's what bothers us 
Yeah. No, I want to first off say you said that he's not a basketball player. I don't want anybody listening to this co- uh, this podcast to try to come up here and be like, well, he is a ba- – he, he played pro or he played semi-pro or whatever. If you've actually watched J. Cole play, just give me a break. The reason why he was even on those teams is because he was a famous musician and it was going to give those club clubs, you know, publicity and whatnot. So let's be honest. He's not a good basketball player. I'm just going to put that out there. It, it's, a, it, um, it's a shame that there was no Master P edition of NBA Live 2000. Hey, at least he played some preseason games. I think it was with the, with the Raptors. With the Raptors, yes, so, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you actually watched him and were like, hey, this guy's decent, right? Like, <laughs> like he looked like he was, you know, he's a basketball player and whatnot. But, um, yeah, as far as, uh, you know, what their focus is, it's pretty clear that their target demographic um, is going to be young teens and and like basically, you know, teens in general and whatnot. And the focus is once again going to be less basketball related. You know, we saw the the trailer for the new My Career and whatnot. And I, I mentioned to you, I think it was like a two minute and 20 second long video. I was like, the majority of that video is not basketball, right? The majority of that video has absolutely nothing to do with basketball or very little to do with basketball like there's not much on-court action shown in that video because it's more about you know the story and who you're talking to in the story and you're um not even as much your come up in basketball but the connections you have made and whatnot along the way and your friends and and all of that stuff and it like it's all of this like non-basketball you know gimmicky stuff and, and all of that. And I just think they, they're just pushed so much, so far away from, you know, it being mostly about basketball. And I think you've experienced that when you've revisited NBA 2K14, right? Oh, definitely. And my career, you see the difference because in NBA 2K14, my career, what was their focus? NBA. Basketball. The NBA, yeah. The NBA, right, exactly. It was NBA, it was basketball. It lives and breeds it in that game so yeah i think it's um i don't know it's telling like somebody i think it was teddy bear the gamer commented and you know before it was announced and he said that he was hoping that it was charles barkley um sorry it wasn't you know some people were like well maybe it's lebron james because it's 2k23 and he wore a number 23 etc um sorry nope (laughs) not not lebron either um you get j cole that's that's who you get on an NBA video game cover. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not a fan of it. You know that, and, and you're not either. You know, I, I think it was uh, the Live King who who retweeted the trailer and said, "What is this?" Um, and I had the same reaction. I, I retweeted and said, "Well, 2K14 is going to be my micro experience if I stick with that going forward over the next 12 months." And, and that's that's for the reasons you stated because it is focused on the NBA. And last year's My Career Story was very much the same, where it was about these off-court brands and becoming an influencer and, and things like that. It seems like they're pretty much running back last year's story. And in fact, even your My Play character is going to be called MP again. I think they're just sticking with that um, uninspired initials of uh, for your My Player MP. Uh, and that's going to just be there in the audio for uh, for commentary and during cutscenes and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, it really has drifted away from its its roots as that 
simulating the experience of playing through an NBA career and, and the experience of making it to the NBA like that. It sounds like it's going to pick up after the draft. So whether there's how much pre-NBA stuff there's going to be. And look, you can argue that there was too much pre-NBA stuff in the past, but that's also something, also something that people asked for as far as having those different routes to the NBA, G League or college, etc. So there's always value in that. Uh, I think the, the real problem with my career is getting people into the online scene as quickly as possible. If, if you're not interested in the NBA side of things, not having to play that, but at the same time, if you're not interested in the online side of things, having a robust NBA experience. And it feels like no one's really being catered to as much as they could be with the whole with the approach to my career and the connected modes. So that is uh, disappointing. I, I looked at the trailer. I saw Kendrick Perkins being an antagonist again. So that, that immediately killed my hype for the mode. Uh, I really don't want um, my player that is battling with uh, Kendrick Perkins and JJ Redick um, in, in a war of words. Uh, that just does not entertain me at all. So I, I was quite underwhelmed with that. And again, we're not, not getting any insights into the improvements of how the actual my career experience as far as managing your career or gameplay, or anything else, anything that's the nuts and bolts of that experience, and and everything is not mentioned at all. It's just a, a trailer. Uh, yeah, very underwhelming. Yeah, I will say this. Um, first off, you should stick with NBA Two K Fourteen. My career. Yeah, sounds like you. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like you will, which is the smart move. Number two, I will give Two K credit. Like hopefully the gameplay strong, but I will give them credit with their focus on the NBA for the NBA eras. So the, you know, the my NBA eras option um, and also the Jordan challenge um, and putting the work in on that. So they're not moving far away from the NBA with that content. Um, but I personally think, to be honest with you, and you know, for the reasons that I stated, that having um, J. Cole as an NBA 2K cover athlete um, tells a story. Let's put it that way. It does. As far as my career on current gen, uh, presumably it's going to have the same kind of story, maybe a, a trimmed down version of it, some of the cutscenes. It's not going to have the full city, obviously. It will have the neighborhood again, which once again is on a boat, Derek. The uh, Contra del Mar has been replaced by the goat boat. Uh, I, I keep seeing the goat boat and the, uh, the love boat theme pops into my head. Um, so that's uh, th- just putting that out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm not going to go right into it because, again, my career in, in recent games has really not gripped me, and uh, and the on, the whole online element is definitely been off-putting to me as well. But they they have redesigned the the boat this year so that the decks are a bit more easier to to navigate. They've got everything in better places. The the shops are on the same floor as the prize wheel, so you don't have to run through multiple levels after you get a free shirt or whatever on the daily prize wheel. Uh, there's going to be new excursions. The big thing that they've added is no weight gameplay to park. So you've got both got next, and you also have no weight gameplay similar to the wreck or the old gym in next gen. So they've finally got that kind of matchmaking in there. But again, I, I, there's nothing really, really deep about that matchmaking from what I can see. Uh, the matchmaking in the wreck and pro am was very sketchy in years past, in my experience. So th- that's the kind of concerns I have. Like on paper. That sounds good. No wait gameplay. Skip got next because got next, as I've said in an article before, gotta go. Because it is literally simulating the most boring part of any activity, which is waiting in line to participate in said activity. Uh, I, I know conceptually why they've got got next there. It makes sense. It's also a hassle and it also leads to the toxicity of people jumping off and, and just standing around because they don't want to play with people who don't have a high enough win percentage and all that toxicity of the online scene. And uh, yeah, so so it's great that they've added that, but there's so much more they could be doing with matchmaking and whatnot that they haven't touched upon. 
new quests by interacting with NPCs, uh, new rival quests, etc. The story has been described as immersive and realistic with quote-unquote authentic dialogue. Um, yeah, that remains to be seen <laughs> based on some previous stories and so forth. Uh, but yeah, they've, they've tried to enhance it a little bit for current gen. So it is nice to see current gen getting a little bit of attention in that regard, Derek. Uh, it, it doesn't really draw me back into my career, but for those people playing it still, uh, I do like that they've put a little bit of effort in there. Yeah, I think that um, any issues the game has, um, any flaws in regards to the story in my career or, you know, connection connections online, all of that stuff, um, I think all of that or most of it will be forgiven as long as people have fun with the gameplay. As long as they think that the game is fun and they look forward to jumping on it and playing it. I know there's always going to be those people that complain no matter what. Um, That's with everything for the most part. Um, But yeah, I think strong gameplay can, you know, silence a lot of people, to be honest with you, as far as like complaints go. Oh, definitely. And the mode's got enough depth that if you're if the story's not too intrusive and all the features are working properly and, and the gameplay is up to scratch, then it, it can still be enjoyable. Uh, but the extracurricular stuff is just too much of a turnoff for me at the moment. Uh, I don't have the, uh, the... The crew's not together. The NLC Thrillhole crew is not uh, together playing uh, games these days. So I don't really have that incentive to grind up a player to take him online and play with friends. So, yeah, I have less interest there. It's much better to be playing the 2K14 my career and into the fifth season now as it happens uh four-time champion four four in a row um yeah but that, that's uh that's what's uh, more appealing to me than uh, my career in uh, new games but that's basically what we know of it uh, at this point more information on the city will be out this week uh by the time it's out by the time we record next week's show i should say we'll have all this news and the game itself will be out so we'll be talking about the, <laughs> the our first impressions of nba 2k23 on next week's show rather than some of this news that's is dropping although we may touch on it to uh, to at least compare to our initial impressions at the very least the other interesting thing apart from the the brands which is how to spend vc in uh, in my career is what they've talked about today when we're recording this is uh, also a soundtrack announcement although they didn't really announce that much about the soundtrack Derek, they just mentioned some of the 50 plus artists that are going to be there at launch there's going to be three new songs uh, debuting every week added every friday we don't actually have a full track list yet they didn't even do that there, there is a playlist you can follow on spotify but it doesn't actually have anything in there at the moment uh, doesn't bother me i mean I, I i've not been a huge fan of the soundtracks in recent games probably showing my age in that respect but yeah it, it doesn't really bother me one way or the other but interesting that they kind of made an announcement without really making an announcement but it, it that also Derek kind of sums up how this final rush of news is they're just kind of throwing out some tidbits every single day and uh it's 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 still kind of underwhelming in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think that's a nice touch. I think the idea of adding music, um, mm. you know, every week or periodically and whatnot uh, to kind of freshen that experience, um, even though there are already by default like 50 different songs on the game. I think that's a, a nice touch and something new to try. Agreed. And I think it's a good thing that can help certain artists get exposure and whatnot hopefully with doing that that they bring in some underground music i think that would be a really good idea or lesser known artists um because one of the ways that i learned of lesser known artists was from some of the you know underground music or you know tunes that weren't played on the radio etc that was included in some of the past nba games same Right. Um, and whatnot. And I think that's a great thing to do, not only for the artist, but I think it get, makes the game unique as well. It, it makes it easier to remember. 
etc. So that's a really nice touch. Like like I said, there's a lot of things that I like that NBA 2K is doing this year. That I think is a good idea. It's good to try. My NBA eras, I think that's a great idea. I hope I hope the game plays well because I'll jump into that. Um, the stuff they're doing with my team with no contracts, the Jordan Challenge. This is a big year. It is content wise and for content changes for nba 2k um i would say like again so the biggest probably since nba 2k 16 so i applaud them on that i said it in monday tip off this week that i think it has the potential to be a landmark release by doing these things like as you say removing my team contracts that's big my nba eras is huge the bringing back the jordan challenge again huge so the gameplay itself is also a slam dunk if you will it's it's going to be a very special release, and, and I hope so. You know, I, I don't like being negative about my hobby. I said that in the article as well in Monday Tip Off. I, I don't like being negative and jaded and cynical. It's kind of natural after you've been playing games for so many years. But look how positive we are in this podcast, Andrew, when it comes to talking about some games that we're revisiting and whatnot. Oh, and indeed. When we're talk- yeah, and when we're talking about, um, you know, past games it doesn't and it doesn't matter if it's a live game or a 2k game or a shootout game or in the zone because we had a really good experience when we've revisited in the zone as well you had fun when you played inside drive with me we talked about that on the podcast we're so positive we're not negative people right absolutely we're not absolutely negative not. about our hobby we're not negative about um we're, we don't favor ea or favor 2k or favor one company and everything i'd like to say we're fair and honest and whatnot and, and that's and, why we don't get invited to stuff as well right exactly that's why we don't get invited to stuff but we've been open and honest on this podcast that over the last few years and on the forum as well but over the last few years we have not liked the gameplay direction and overall direction of 2k and the way they've handled the nba 2k series right and so and i don't think there's anything wrong with that no like uh, so yeah i just wanted to point that out like we are not negative people we're not no i I, there is a certain amount of skepticism and cynicism that does creep in after seeing so many promises broken lies thrown out there in some of the previews in in years past which has made us a bit more uh, a bit more uh, inclined to take things with a more than a grain of salt at, at times at the end of the day, I do want to look forward to 2K23, and I do want it to impress me. I do want to have fun with it, because 2K21 and 2K22, uh, I didn't have that enjoyment. Uh, I was going to get them anyway and, and cover them. I didn't regret the purchases or anything. It's kind of a part and parcel of being a content creator that you need to get your hands on the games. But they, they didn't live up to my expectations, at least not in a positive way, unfortunately. So I am hoping for uh, the 2K23 will be that landmark release. I mean, MJ on the cover, the Jordan Challenge coming back, some really great uh, content additions with with my team and uh, and my NBA eras and whatnot. And even current gen looking like it's got a bit of attention to it as well. Yeah, I, I want this to be a great year for, for basketball gaming. I want a great new game to play. I have plenty of games to fall back on, obviously. But, I mean, it's we still want the new game to coming out every year to be to be great as well. And uh, I am feeling optimistic. Uh, cautiously so, but there are things that I really like. Uh, I just want the gameplay to, uh, to live up to my expectations or be something I can work with with sliders at the very least because I, I do love the sound of the content in uh, 2K23. Yeah, and you know in that first week or two when NBA 2K23 comes out that i'm going to be getting a bunch of highlights absolutely. Top 10 absolutely from the newest title so i'm really looking forward to that 
um, and being able to showcase those highlights in the MLSC top 10 plays of the week. So that'll be a lot of fun. And with my pre-order that I got, I'm actually going to uh, pick that up from store. No more postage. I, l- I learned my lesson after last year's debacle. Yeah, I think um, somebody like you and you and I, you know, we need to get our hands on the game right away. Definitely. It's like this thing, like we want to be one of the first people to look at it and we want to be able to dive in right away and we don't want to miss out on anything. So, yeah, that's a good move by you. And we will have those impressions next week on the show, of course, and uh, maybe touch on some of the news or at least to compare it to the final game since we will have the game in our hands and we can talk about whether some of the previews uh, appear to have lived up to their uh, to what they promised. But we will get to that uh, next week. But uh, before we wrap up this week, Derek, uh, how about we open up the mailbag? To the mailman, the pump face. What an unbelievable dunk! And the question you threw out there this week, Derek, uh, basketball video game legends, role players, and even bench warmers having ridiculous performances. What non-stars overachieved during your basketball gaming sessions? And, and this is a topic that we love to talk about because we have so many memories of those role players and, and non-stars and, and bench players, bench warmers, and whatnot having going off of these ridiculous performances on the virtual hardwood. And uh, based on the responses we got, Derek, we are definitely not alone in that regard. Yeah, people mentioning players that are video game legends in my own house that no that, that tells me that i know they're telling the truth yeah right you know um you know roger and nate you know live 2001 legends have brought up ray allen before as a video game legend he is the biggest video game legend probably in my house just absolutely unstoppable in so many of the 2k games like you know 2k 11 and in uh, 2k 10 and and whatnot and just in 2k12 fire from anywhere now he's obviously a star right so he was an example of a video game legend star but i was more curious about non-stars i was curious about role players uh, i mean even bench warmer warmers and whatnot that were video game legends or had amazing performances for other people and some of those names looked familiar that they were mentioning Definitely some familiar names on that list, and I've talked about some of them before. We both have. Uh, Jumper Joe Alexander is one for me. Uh, uh, Travis Outlaw in my Live 06 Dynasty. Eric Pytkowski was huge. Uh, I remember he uh, he basically won a game for me in the fourth quarter, had him in the game and uh, just spurred this comeback, and I had to give him the start in the next game after that. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no way I could bring him off the bench, so I gave him a start uh, in that game, which is which is the fun thing I always love playing with, with real rosters in uh, in a dynasty mode in franchise mode that you would have these uh th- this story that develops throughout the season and these players that you'll become attached to and they'd have great performances for you and you'd you'd change the lineup just as in real life and sometimes you'd get a players on a hot streak so you give them a start and uh, and uh, a regular starter in real life may not be playing well for you so you move them to the bench but but even just the the one the one off games the exhibition games that we've had and you've had against each other and against your brothers and with my cousin and, and everything else and or just against the CPU just these uh, these great performances by players who, uh, who who sometimes do go off in real life and we have seen some amazing performances by uh, by role players and bench warmers when they've got a, an opportunity but but yeah sometimes it, it really goes wild and uh, Alonzo G I know is one for you as well. Yeah, here are some of the video game legends um, in my household. Um, Alonzo G, uh, Dan Dickow, uh, Keith Van Horn, Pat Garrity, Andrew Goudlock, uh, Ansu Sese, Hashim Thabit, uh, Troy Murphy, Walter Herman, the duo of Greg Monroe and Larry Sanders, Walter McCarty, uh, Kirk Heinrich, and there are more, but uh, those are just some of the video game legends uh, from my household. 
Love that uh, Kirk Heinrich is in there, obviously. Uh, former Bull, of course. Uh, he he and Ben Gordon were the uh, original Splash Brothers in my Live <laughs> 6 Dynasty as well. They were a bit of a dynamic duo in the backcourt there. And, and yeah, obviously those names, a lot of them I remember. And uh, yeah, so let's get to some of our listeners' uh, responses. And, and first up, we do have Roger Ward, with uh, who along with uh, Nate, of course, is the uh, they are the NBA Live 2001 legends. And he's got some legends from Live 2001. And uh, okay, check out this list, Eric. Pat Garrity, Cedric Sabalos, John Crotty, Lee Nalon, Darvin Ham, Eric Pietkowski, Ryan Bowen, Matt Bullard, and Rodney Rogers. Isn't that a, isn't that a nostalgic list? Well, it's funny because Pat Garrity and and whatnot, and Eric Pietkowski, and uh, you know I had mentioned Keith Van Horn and whatnot as well. Um, what do they have in common? Tall and can shoot, and those guys are deadly in a lot of the older video games. Um, if you're tall and you can shoot you can have huge games. Um, I also, I, I laughed at um, Darvin Ham being in there because he's also kind of a video game legend in our house. And he's one of those guys that just because he was in the dunk contest at one point, they made him an unbelievable dunker in pretty mm. much every game that he was in for the rest of his career. It's just like one of those things that follows the players. If you were in a dunk contest, you're going to be dominant going to the hoop. So that doesn't surprise me. And like Roger stated, he's also fast and, you know, he can get steals and, and whatnot. Uh, Alonzo G uh, was ridiculously, uh, you know, for my, in my household, it was ridiculously athletic and just, I always call him like a souped up Julius Irving in NBA 2K 11 and, and 12 and whatnot. And those attributes for him followed him for several different video games. Right. Like he just was dominant over and over and over again in different games. So it is funny how um, funny how that works. Darwin Ham, of course, uh, new Lakers coach, obviously, but also uh, broke a backboard in college. And, and you're right. Those that reputation as a dunker and a, a powerful dunker and a spectacular dunker and whatnot. They do. They do last in video games, even though he I mean, he had his moments in the years that followed, but nothing quite like the uh, the dunk contest. But but still in games, he still had that uh, that performance, as you said. That's an, an interesting phenomenon of, uh, of video games and, and player ratings. Absolutely. Uh, Matt Bullard, of course, had a, had a game winner for uh, for Nate um, and Roger there, uh, replacing. Uh, didn't it take uh, Hakeem out to put Bullard in and hit that game winner in the top 10? Yeah, um, that was in the top 10 one week, uh, deservedly so. Uh, but Matt Bullard's also a video game legend in our house. In fact, we just drafted the other night on NBA 2K17 a video game legends team, and Matt Bullard's on the bench for that mm. team. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a legend in our house. Eric Podkowski, as I mentioned, also a favorite of mine. Uh, Cedric Sabalos was an all-star one year, of course, and, and a pretty good player, but, but again, not a, a superstar player and another player that could really go off in, in games a little bit more often than he did in uh, in real life. And uh, other very nostalgic names there. John Crotty, again, you, you just bring up a bench player from the 90s, random bench player from the mid to late 90s, early 2000s, uh, John Crotty, that uh, like, like a Marty Conlon just pops into my head as well. So I really enjoyed that list. Uh, thank you, Roger. King J. Mace, uh, NBA 2K12, Eddie House was better than Prime Steph. Make one three, and he was hot for the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, Eddie House could, could shoot the ball, obviously, but uh, but yeah, get on fire with him, get on that hot streak in uh, in 2K, and uh, he could be deadly. Yeah, the thing with Eddie House, too, is he just gets his shot off so fast in the video game, kind of like in real life, that um, you feel like you can just get it off whenever you want, right? And you always have this feeling of being open with him. So if you get it going with Eddie House, you could reel off 
10 to 15 threes in a game pretty easily and whatnot. So yeah, Eddie house um, had a reputation for getting hot and they did a good job of, um, you know, replicating that in the games. Next up, we have uh, Dr. Toboggan MD underscore. Uh, I don't remember the year, but Eric Gordon was insane. 2K14, 15-ish, maybe. Terrence Davis in 2K19 was Clay on steroids too. Siakam in 19 and 20 was Giannis with a jumper. Raptors must have some sort of boost from Nurse, lol. Uh, TJ McConnell, when he was still a creative player, was a point guard too. Yeah, I've seen some people mention that. I think a couple of other people backed up the uh, Eric Gordon being a uh, a beast. Yeah, I was one of them, actually. Um, in 2K14 and 2K15, he it feels like he never misses. You hate playing him on the higher difficulty levels um, you know, against the computer because they will go to him often and he will hit contested all over the floor and whatnot. Um, I definitely remember him being just super dominant in NBA 2K14. Um, so maybe that's what he's talking about. But I know that in both 2K14 and 15, that followed, followed him. He was just super dominant shooting the ball. In my uh, 2K14, my career, actually, uh, Eric Gordon was uh, the big free agent signing of the Knicks and became an all-star with them. So, yeah, I, I think that definitely lines up with him being that uh, that 2K14, 2K15 uh, superstar. And, uh, and yeah, and Terrence Davis and Siakam. Well, anytime you get a very athletic player, uh, you can usually uh, dominate with them in, uh, in video games. Right. It's also like if you had somebody that shot a really good three point percentage mm. and you're good mechanically at the game, like you're good on the sticks and everything, you can find that player over and over and over again in decent spots to get a shot off during the game. Right. Which is why like having a guy on the floor that shot a good percentage can almost be a cheat code Definitely. sometimes when you're playing these games. And Eric Gordon's a case of that. At NeverMindMe43 on Twitter, let's not forget Wesley Johnson in 2K11. I would be playing against a buddy who was a huge Peck and Love fan, but he would just drop 40 to 50 occasionally with Wesley Johnson, spin moves, posters, shaking my head, and a jumper. I always ask him how Wesley Johnson is doing now, lol. Uh, yeah, Wesley Johnson, uh, not really a superstar in real life, didn't, didn't pan out that way. But, uh, but yeah, but obviously another one of those players that has that athleticism and the uh, shooting ratings in uh, 2K11 at least to, uh, to really go off. My brother and I used to joke around about that on NBA 2K15. Even though Kobe was on the team, um, oftentimes you, you you felt yourself using Wesley Johnson more on the Lakers when he was with them. So we would call uh, Wesley Johnson like Bean. Like we would basically treat him like <laughs> he was Kobe Bryant because he was still like overdone and, and, and overdominant and whatnot. So that, that's something that mama. followed him. <laughs> right, because they didn't, they didn't know how to handle a guy with Wesley Johnson's skill set, right? Like a guy that was long, um, that, that you know, could shoot it from the outside and get to the rim from time to time. Um, they didn't know how to handle a player like that. So, like, they overdid him and made him too dominant as a result. Next up is iMason KOG. He's got, uh, got a full roster for us, basically. Uh, <laughs> he gave us a, a roster of legends here. Uh, Gerald Green... Uh, Keon Dooling, Steve Novak, Tyrus Thomas, Rick Fox, Jeremy Lamb, Kendall Gill, Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, Alonzo G, Delonte West, Daniel Booby Gibson, uh, Donald Royal, and Reggie Evans. And yes, 
those names jump out to me, obviously. And uh, Reggie Evans was one of those players that would just be a beast on the boards and defensively. You'd get him in a, in a dynasty, in a, in a franchise mode to add there. Lonzo G, you've mentioned uh, again on this show and on previous ones how uh, dominant he was. Uh, Keon Dooling, the 2K7 legend, not 2K17, the 2K7 <laughs> legend. Uh, Tyrus Thomas could be, it was a bit boosted on those uh, mid 2000s Bulls teams, uh, could be a bit of a star and develop into one with his potential rating. Unfortunately, it didn't happen in real life. Uh, some great 90s. Uh, role players there with Kendall Gill and Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, uh, Delonte West. We saw in uh, in the series you put together with the uh, Virtual Hardwood Legend. So very appropriate there, and uh, and of course Rick Fox. Uh, you you mentioned that as well that uh, you've had a similar uh, experiences with Rick Fox. Yeah, the Delonte West thing, obviously NBA Live Ten, uh, one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen in a video game pulled off by Cavs four eight seven two in the NLSC NBA Live Ten tournament. Um, yeah, Delonte West was super unstoppable in many different games in the past 2k and live um but yeah rick fox i i don't get what they were thinking and it's the same in 2k17 by the way by default nba 2k17 rick fox is just a driving dunking machine um rick fox wasn't like that listen folks i watched rick fox in his early career as a celtic i never missed a celtics game back then you know i watched him when he was with the lakers etc before he you know for his years there and then up until his retirement and everything rick fox was not a high flyer no rick fox was not a flashy player rick fox was not particularly fast um etc but man in all of these different games for all these different companies they made rick fox some sort of dunking slashing machine and you can see it in NBA Inside Drive 2003. My brother and I get absolutely viciously dunked on whenever we play against Rick Fox. Um, he's he's like that in some of the older live games. Um, he's been like that in some of the early 2K games. Uh, I I don't. He's in that. He's like that in Shootout. He just throws it down like crazy. I don't know what their thing is with Rick Fox, but they got him painted all wrong. One time captain of the Celtics, Rick Fox. Yeah, I mean, captain, not captain of dunking. No. Cap, not captain of slashing. <laughs> no, not, no. You know, but yeah, captain nonetheless. Um, yeah, the Gerald Green thing is funny too because Gerald Green is another player that the game never could figure out how to make him realistic. Um, he's another type of, like I said, I, I commented on what he said. He's kind of like another Alonzo G case where he's a guy that can hit, hit from the outside but then also is just super quick and almost unstoppable going to the hoop, and you can just throw it down with him over and over and over again. I feel like Josh Smith was a was another player that was kind of like that, kind of difficult to figure in games, or even a Gerald Wallace, and they were all-stars, one-time all-stars, I believe, uh, both of them, and, and were pretty good players in, in reality as well, but, uh, but often uh, a little bit overrated in games, or, or difficult, as you say, to really capture because you, you have that uh, athletic ratings or the, the very pumped-up, defensive ratings rebounding ratings so they were always a little bit a little bit stronger in video games than they perhaps should have been yeah josh smith definitely um we remember having battles against josh smith and he was a guy that i always liked to use because it was so fun getting out on the break and dunking with him and dunking all over my opponent and whatnot and you could knock down threes with him he'd be on the boards he'd be swatting shots at the rim josh smith was a pretty good player like he was definitely oh, yes. a good player, yes. but he was definitely overpowering in games. And finally, we have Lil Dino seven one three says Katino Mobley, and again that goes back to the point you raised about if you have someone who can shoot, uh, in, and you know the mechanics, the shooting mechanics in the in the game that uh, that that player is in, you can just knock down threes all day, and that's obviously what Mobley uh, could do. 
pretty good shooter in real life. Again, a fine role player for many years in the in the league, and um, and running mate of uh, of Steve Francis for a while there as well on a couple of different teams. But but yeah, uh, certainly could do a bit more, even more damage with him in uh, in video games. Yeah, it's not far fetched to have Catino Mobley be your leading scorer over Steve Francis in many games using the Rockets just for the fact that Mobley was a better three point shooter than Francis. And you'd be, you know, searching out that three and he could get hot and he would just make three after three after three. Meanwhile, you're trying to get to the hoop with Francis and you might be getting stopped. Right. So, um, yeah, Mobley's another one of those guys, you know, another Eric Gordon type that you could definitely overachieve with. How about that short-lived backcourt of the uh, the 99 Rockets with uh, Mobley and uh, Michael Dickerson in, as the backcourt? I liked Michael Dickerson. Yeah, I actually liked Michael Dickerson. Injuries, I liked yeah. him with yeah, I liked him with the Grizzlies as well. I thought he was a really good player. It's funny. I was playing. Um, I want to say it was NBA starting five, and I was using Michael Dickerson, and he's really good in that game. But uh, he he can do a lot of different things on the floor, and uh, yeah, he was one of those guys that it's too bad the way his career kind of fizzled out and whatnot because of injuries and and stuff because he was a pretty good player that'd be a, a rather unique uh, classic team to have i mean obviously you need to license barkley for it to do it but the 99 rockets with uh, pippen barkley and olajuwon and that young backcourt of the rookie backcourt of uh, mobley and uh and dickerson and matt maloney i think still on the on the bench at that year and uh, possibly a couple of others as well uh, whose names are escaping me at the moment uh, yeah, what an interesting team. The 99 season produced a few of those lineups that are, were, were quite unique because of that uh, abbreviated off-season after, after the uh, lockout of 98-99 that they kind of threw a bunch of teams through together. A lot of uh, so, Some teams still were together if they were still on the contract and uh, they've got the implosion of the Bulls with the last, after the last dance. Uh, but then you've got some of those makeshift lineups like the Rockets had and trying to assemble that new big three with, uh, with Pippen, Barkley and Olajuwon <laughs> past their prime. Uh, yeah, quite some interesting lineups from that 99 season. It's uh, a campaign that I, I kind of have an odd nostalgia for. I mean, it was very tough going from being the watching my favorite team, the Bulls, dominate to, to what they were that season. But uh, but yeah, oddly nostalgic for, for some of those odd lineups. I have nostalgia for it, but I absolutely do not like that Rockets team. Mm. Uh, I don't like the Pippen uh, Rockets. I'm I'm not a fan of that season, especially because I know what Pippen and Barkley were going through at the time. They they didn't have a good relationship. No, um, that didn't work out. Surprise. Um, and so, what a and whatnot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that their last true chance, true chance to win a title um, in the '90s was with Drexler in '96, '97. Yeah. Um, I thought that I thought the players were still at the age where they could have won it at that point and i thought they played incredibly well together overall obviously stunned by the jazz in six games in the western conference finals with that shot by stockton with barkley closing out etc um but yeah i'm not a fan of that rockets team it's a team that i actually try to actively avoid in video games um so yeah interesting yeah i I guess i I like it for the the oddity of it but yeah no i I definitely see a point on that one well i think steve francis playing with akeem olajuwon is an oddity Yes, right, because yes. that did like, and that actually happened. Two years. So yeah. Steve Francis played with, yeah, you know, Steve Francis played with Olajuwon and Barkley and Yao Ming, and Steve Francis also played with Yao Ming. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I find that um, kind of fascinating. That's true. That's true. But yeah, the ninety the ninety nine season because of the lockout, because of that, it's such a transitional year with some very strange lineups that it's uh, it's certainly not the best season. I've seen some people say it's the best season because of how 
uh, frenetic it was and how it was shorter and, and those strange lineups and how open it seemed after the Bulls had uh, had fallen off. Obviously, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's the best, but it, it's certainly a very interesting year because of all this, the surrounding stories and the surrounding context uh, of it. But uh, but yeah, uh, Pippin, Pippin Barkley and uh, Elijah One didn't didn't quite work out as uh, <laughs> as they were hoping. Yeah, I'd say um, about the ninety eight ninety nine season, there was still a lot of talent in the league a ton of talent in the league. I thought it was still a great time for the NBA, the late nineties and early two thousands. Some of my favorite time of the NBA, but I certainly would never go as far as to say is that the 50 game season in 98, 99 is the best. No, and a lot so, of players not in shape or in uh, game form, not some pretty ugly basketball. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there's a lot of intriguing teams. I've talked about the 98, 99 Knicks, you know, with you know patrick ewing unfortunately he wasn't healthy for the playoffs and who knows what would have happened if he was right because he still had some left in the tank and whatnot uh you know that team with patrick ewing alan houston latrell spreewell uh larry johnson and whatnot i I laugh because you know people talk about it being watered down and whatnot you know in the 90s which is just absolutely ridiculous but you know they don't acknowledge that you know duncan robinson and tyler hero and jimmy butler made an nba finals recently yeah. and the Devin Booker sons and whatnot. Um, but but that was, that was when, I think, when I think about those teams, yeah, when I think about those teams making the finals, you know, I laugh when people should acknowledge the fact that that team that I just mentioned of the Knicks would, that Knicks team would wipe the floor with, you know, talent-wise, physicality, all of that stuff would wipe the floor with both that Miami Heat and Suns team. So, like, I don't know. I, I That's why I think the, you know, the Kendrick Perkins and, you know, all these people in the media that are crapping on 90s basketball, 80s basketball, etc. I think that there's so much context missing and they're just full of it. Of course, a couple of decent rookies that year, Vince Carter, Paul Pierce. Vince Carter going on to play 22 years in the league, being the last player from the 90s still standing. Uh, a couple of years ago when he finally did call it a day. But uh, what what you're telling me, Derek, is that you don't buy the fact that the bubble championship is the, is the toughest championship in NBA history and worth two rings, as Nick Wright said? Oh, my God. Don't even get me started on Nick Wright <laughs> and don't get me started on the bubble. Give me a break. But uh, thank you for what those responses to the mailbag question. Always fun to talk about those virtual hardwood legends. And again, Derek, the great thing about these these topics as we brought them up on the show, and we, and we love the interaction with the listeners, please keep it coming, is that there's a lot of common ground. Even if some of the names are different from those virtual hardwood legends, a lot of people have that same experience of the role player that was just unstoppable in video games. And, and it was a big part of their nostalgia for games and their fond memories of their favorite games, just like we have. So along with the collecting and going back and playing old favorites, and the, the celebration of basketball gaming history that we've been trying to do on the, through Wayback Wednesday and on the podcast and through your many uh, uh, tweets uh, in the past uh, couple of weeks with the uh, great additions to your collection, uh, it's, it's just great to be able to share that with our fellow basketball gamers and uh, and see that we have those uh, common experiences. It, it's really cool. Yeah, please keep sharing, you know, community. Share your experiences, but also share your collections and share your highlights and whatnot. Um, I love seeing them. I love being able to take your place for the top ten and whatnot but um you know just seeing you tweet you know talk about some of these games from the past and present and whatnot i love seeing it please keep that coming and connect with us on social media we will be promoting our socials again shortly but uh that has brought us to the end of this week's show as always we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week either on the nlsc mbslive.com our youtube channel or your podcast app of choice 
And yes, we do want to connect with you on social media. So Derek, as always, I'll throw it to you to promote your handles first. Hey, you can find me on Twitter at D for 384 or at D for 3G. I'm also on the NLSC D for 3. Um, I am on YouTube as well, D for 3. I am Andrew in our forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. Our aforementioned YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Center. And of course, give a look to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>